3, but I'm going to read uh, verse 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with which with the in which with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Let me read that again. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're here. God, we want to honor you in all that we do and say. May you be glorified today. We thank you that we were able to open up the doors of the building today. And even though the doors have been closed, church has continued. The word of God has not been bound. Souls have been getting saved. Lives have been transformed. Disciples have been added to the body of Christ. And so, Father, we are ever so grateful that you have continued to show yourself mighty. And now, God, bless our time together through the studying of your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're continuing our series, Level Up, Level Up, and we're focusing on leveling up in marriage. And sisters, I'm going to be talking with the wives today. Uh, the, brothers is, uh, the, the message for the brothers is coming up, but we're going to be talking to the wives today, all of you who are considering marriage, and uh, all believers, this message will have uh, a relevance to all who name the name of Christ as their Savior. A mother was looking for a break, and she was excited when a neighbor of hers asked if she could take her twin daughters to church with her for a program. Mother agreed to allow her daughters to go, and when they returned, they said, Mom, can we go in the backyard and play church? And she said, yeah, you can go in the yard and play church, and when dinner is ready, I'll call you in. So mom is pre preparing the dinner, and as she's getting things ready, she heard something in the yard that was really out of the ordinary, and she was, she was startled by the words she heard because her twin daughters were cussing at each other. And uh, she, said, <laughs> she thought to herself, am I really hearing what I think I heard? I never taught my daughters to cuss, and they have never been around people that talk like that. And so when she looked out the window to get a better understanding of what was happening, she was really shocked when she saw her twin daughters rolling around in the grass fighting. And so she rushed outside, separated her two daughters. She said, what is going on? Why are you fighting? I thought you were coming outside to play church. One of the twins said, we are playing church. Well, what do you mean? He said, well, during the offering today at church, while the choir was singing, two of the women started saying the kind of words we were saying, and they started fighting each other, and they were rolling around in front of the choir, and so we just thought that that was something that we could do too. They were simply <laughs> modeling what they had seen. 
How many of you know that children are very impressionable? They often imitate what they see. And as strange as it might seem, adults also copy what we see to become who we are. Adults do copy what we see to become who we are. While it is true that God created all of us as originals, and we should never try to be exact copies of anyone, we still are a unique blend of our experiences and exposures. We are created unique, but we are a blend of our unique experiences and exposures. No man or woman is an island. We are all a combination of different people that have impacted our lives. Those influences flow through our unique personalities and skills to accomplish God's will for our life. Somebody has been your example. You didn't just become the man that you are on your own. You watch some things in the lives of other men that have formed your pattern that you have gleaned from and added to the person that you are today. And the same is true of, of women. Now today, I want women, wives in particular, to learn from the other woman. I want you to learn from the other woman. Now, I'm not talking about the woman who wants to wreck your marriage. No, I'm talking about the other woman that the Apostle Peter speaks of in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He identifies her as Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who is to be the prototype for all Christian wives. She is the model. She is the template that all Christian wives should model their lives after. Listen to what verses 4, uh, 5, and, and 6 says. For in, the manner in former for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter, here it is, whose daughters you are, who's, she's the other woman, and we are, ladies, you are her daughter spiritually, if you do good and are not afraid with terror. Now, there are at least four things, I believe, that we can glean out of the life of the women of old, in particular, the woman that was identified as the role model, the template for all married women to learn from. Sarah is the other woman that the Lord would have us to glean from. Now, the first thing, ladies, hold, hold on. Grab your seat. Don't, don't, don't walk out the door. Don't shut the computer down. This is not my words. This is right from the Bible. Here is one of the things that you can learn from the other woman named Sarah. The scripture says in verses 1 and 2, submit to your own husbands. 
Now listen to what, how, the, how this is actually laid out in verses 1 and 2. Wives likewise, again, comparing yourself, modeling after, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste or pure, virtuous, godly conduct, accompanied by reverence or fear. Now, the first thing that I want you to hear me out on is this. We need to identify who the Apostle Peter is addressing these remarks. These remarks are not intended for every woman who is married, even though they would help to make your marriage successful, every woman can't handle this prescription. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, is speaking to Christian wives, women that are not only saved, but spirit-led, spirit-controlled, spirit-filled. See, while it is true that in order to be a Christian, you have to have the Spirit of God living in you, indwelling you. Not every Christian is led or filled or yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's why the Apostle Paul, before he talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32, about the responsibilities of a wife and a, and a man, when he says in verse 21, he says, submit to one another. Submit to one another. So submission is not just for wives, but it is also for husbands. But before we can actually, we can actually submit to one another, he says in verse 18, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Apostle Paul recognizes, as we, we need to understand, that submission is totally contrary to our Adamic nature. Everything inside of us cringes at the word of submission. And so in order to obey, the as we're going to see, in order to submit as a wife in your marriage and follow the example of the other woman named Sarah, you must be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, you can't have, the, you can't be a child of God without the Spirit of God. The Scripture says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. And so this instruction that I'm going to share with you today, if you are not a believer who is led and, in, and, and filled by the Spirit of God, you will not respond in obedience to these instructions. And so he writes, these words to believers. That's who his audience was. Now, we need to understand, as I thought about this, it reminded me, I grew up uh, watching, I was a fan of Popeye and Olive Oil. And you all remember Popeye used to take some, some brutal beatdowns by a dude named Brutus. And it always evolved around olive oil. And Popeye loved himself some olive oil. But he was no match for Brutus. 
Brutus would be just wearing Popeye out, man. It would, you, I mean, it looked like Popeye was finally done, and, and, and he, there was never going to be a way that he could bounce back. But somehow, if Popeye could just get some spinach on the inside. And so what would happen is some, he, some, somehow he could find a way to get that spinach, and when he ate his spinach, what he was incapable of doing without it all of a sudden, Popeye would have superhuman strength to defeat the brute named Brutus. I want you to know, sisters, as we talk about learning from the other woman, what the Lord requires when it comes to submission, you need some superhuman spirit, some superhuman strength. And the strength that we're talking about is the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. It ain't going to come from those spinach. It ain't going to come from those special diet. It's going to come when you yield and surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit who we have. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The moment you believe we were washed and rejected generated and renewed by the Holy Spirit. He took up residency in you. He lives in you. The Bible actually says you are the temple of God and his spirit lives in you. And therefore, whatever God requires of you, he has already equipped you. You simply need to let the spinach of the Holy Spirit work so that it will overcome yours and my Adamic nature. Now, the word itself, the word submit, you don't hear that word often in, 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 in English vocabulary. It comes from the Greek word hupotasis or hupotasso. And in our English Bible, it's, off, it's translated, oh, King James, subject yourself. It's also rendered uh, uh, submission or to submit. It's a military term, and it, 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 it speaks of, of ranks within an alignment within the military. To, to hupotasso yourself means that you voluntarily come under the authority of one who has a higher rank than you. Let me, let me, let me, let me break that down. If you're in the military, you, you, there are captains and there are sergeants and there are lieutenants and majors and colonels. Now, <clears throat> the rank simply means that you have a, a level of training, you have a level of authorization, you have, you, you have, you have a, 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 a rank or a position of authority that gives you the right to speak to someone who does not have your training, does not have your authority, and when you tell them to do something, they're supposed to obey you. Not because the captain is better than the sergeant or the lieutenant. Not because the captain is necessarily smarter or better looking. It has nothing to do with your essence or your worth. It has all to do with the alignment, the way the military is set up. If there wasn't that type of order, you would have total chaos. But if the sergeant didn't obey the lieutenant and the lieutenant didn't obey the captain, you could never win a war. It's, it's voluntary coming under, under the leadership of another. A man is not greater than a woman, more valuable than, other, than a woman. God has just established an alignment, an arrangement an established leadership hierarchy within the marriage. And I don't know why he decided to do it this way, but he did. And because he did it, when you are 
operating in obedience to the word, you will voluntarily come under the rank, the authority of your husband. On May 13, 1985, the Philadelphia Police Department did something that had never been done in the history of policing in the, in the United States of America. They served a warrant to arrest four members of a liberation organization called MOVE. And there was resistance to the arrest, and so the police opened up fire, and they, they, they actually op they, they shot up the, the house that the people lived in. There were, over, there were thousands of bullets that were fired into that house. When that was unsuccessful, they threw tear gas into the windows. And when the tear gas did not force those who were inside hiding to come out, a phone call was made by a, by a person that was on the scene, a, 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 a chief of the police or whoever the highest ranking officer were, was, and, and the contact was made with the former mayor, Wilson Good. And permission was given to drop a concussion bomb on that house on Osage Avenue. <laughs> Now, here's where it gets crazy. The bomb was dropped. A fire started. You had hundreds of firemen, paramedics, police officers. But when the fire started, no one <laughs> tried to put the fire out. And by the time the fire got finished burning Osage Avenue, 60 homes were destroyed. 11 people were killed, four children, five children and six adults, and 250 people were left homeless. Now, Mayor Wilson Good was not at the scene when the concussion bomb dropped. He was not tra trained in, 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 in ballistics and, in, in, in how to uh, use explosives. He didn't have that expertise. So he was depending on his leadership that was on site to tell him and to advise him what was the next best step to apprehend those who had been served a warrant. And he was advised that, well, we should do something nobody else ever did. Let's drop a bomb. And so a concussion bomb was dropped. And those people died. I want you to understand something about leadership. Even though Wilson Good wasn't there, even though he was depending on the advice of other professionals, guess who was responsible for what happened on Osage Avenue? It was Wilson Good because he was the highest ranking official that gave the order for the concussion bomb to be dropped. And as a result of his decision, no, he didn't want people to die. No, he didn't think that uh, 60 homes would be burned to the ground. No way he thought that, uh, 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 that 285 people uh, would be homeless. No, he didn't think that, but because of his position that as mayor that he held, he was ultimately responsible. And, and from that decision, his political career was never the same. I want you to understand, when it comes to leadership in the home, God doesn't start with the wife. 
He starts with, with the man, just like when Eve sinned in the garden. She sinned first, but God wasn't looking for Eve. He wasn't looking for the man. He wasn't looking for the person that he gave the spiritual authority to be uh, the covering for his home, the, the one that he gave the responsibility not only to be the tiebreaker when it came to decisions, but the one that should be the ultimate decision maker. Even when you give your wife permission to make the final decision, guess what, brothers? Guess who's responsible? You're the one who's responsible because it could be a bomb or a blessing that you're releasing, and God will hold you accountable. Submission means that you, you voluntarily come under the authority of God's alignment for the home. And brothers, we're responsible. We are ultimately who God is going to call to account when he comes to the house to check on what's going on where you live at. That's why the scripture says, Husbands, your assignment is to present your bride as one to the Lord without spot or blemish. Your job is to help your wife to become everything God intended for her to be. And when we fail to do that, he holds us responsible because we are in charge. You're the leader. You're the leader. Submission means that you voluntarily, you hupo passes, come under the authority, the alignment, the arrangement that God has established. Now, if you have a problem with this, don't, don't be mad at me. I didn't decide this. This doesn't give me some unfair advantage because where there is the, where, where the response, where, where there is privilege, there is greater responsibility. Somebody say amen. Now the question is, why should you submit? Well, it's a command. The scripture says, wives, Christian women who are being led by the Spirit of God, submit. Even though it's a command, it, is, it cannot be obeyed with a wife. It cannot be obeyed with a wife making a spirit without a wife. Let me say this. It cannot be obeyed without a wife being led by the Spirit in such a way that you please God. See, you can, you can submit with a, with a bitter spirit. You can submit and, you know, you, you just, you, 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 you ticked off the whole, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, and you might not like the way I do it, but it's going to get done, and, and you just, just, just I'm submitting, you can't say I'm not, I did what you said, and, and, and your parents are there, you, you, you got food, don't you, and, and I, I, I was home when you got here, I didn't have to be here, I submitted, no, 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 if you don't submit, as you are under the power of the Spirit of God, voluntarily to the command, it does not register as obedience. And so while it's a command, it requires voluntary, Holy Spirit-led submission. So submission is a command, but not only is it a command, submission works. It works! Listen to what the Scripture says. Then even if some do not obey the word, Without your nagging, without your uh, 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 trying to force the issue, may be one 
by, your, by the conduct of why. So submission works. The scripture says if you come under the alignment that God has established and you voluntarily, as the spirit is leading you, follow your husband, he may not be the greatest leader. And pray God, sometimes you, you, you should never follow your husband if he asks you to do something that violates the word of God. No, our first commitment is to be obedient to the Lord. But if what he's asking you to do does not violate the word, then the scripture says, as unto the Lord, your husband is your head, you should follow him. And when you follow a husband, even when he's not walking with the Lord, if what he's telling you doesn't break, the, violate the scriptures, you should follow. And the Bible says what works is that will begin to be used by the Spirit of God to deal with your husband's heart in such a way that your conduct, not your conversation, your conduct, what they see, you, you not only preach the message, you became the message in your home. There's so much more that can be accomplished if we do it God's way. Let me, let me run on. Submission is also an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Well, I, was, I really worshiped the Lord. I was praying to the Lord. I, I, I spoke in a little tongue. I got my dance on. And I, I oh, man, I, I, even, I, even, I had a sister. I was looking at the internet. A lady, every Sunday, she didn't go to church, but she got dressed up for church. She put a big hat on, put all her earrings and her rings. And she going to church. That's fine. However you choose to go to church. And, 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 and then, if, if you, but if you get off of that experience and you cuss your husband out, guess well, you ain't, you just wasted your time. Submission is an act of worship. Since your first ministry is to your husband in your own home, your own husband in your own home. Listen to this. When they observed your chaste or pure godly conduct accompanied by reverence, fear. The word reverence or fear means that your conduct is in response to the word of God, and your act of obedience is worship. So when you come under the authority of your husband as God intended, you are actually worshiping the Lord. You are honoring the Lord. You are expressing your adoration of him. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I sure wouldn't be following him. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I wouldn't put my hands around that man's neck. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the lost my mind. But because of your word, oh God. When you come under the authority of your husband, you are worshiping in that act of obedience the God you say you love. I talked to a young lady, and let me add that the, the, um, one of the uh, best examples of submission is Jesus himself. He don't ask us to do nothing that we even do. We have not a high priest who cannot identify with our sufferings. But Jesus was tempted in all points just as we are. Here's how he demonstrated the ultimate act of submission. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For, for to this we were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Jesus is the ultimate example of submission. He stayed on the cross, not because he had to. 
That's why he prayed in the garden. He said, Lord, if it be possible, if I could just decide this uh, uh, in, 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 without consulting the divine trinity, if I could just do this on my own, I would not go to the cross because I know that when I'm hanging there, my, the sin that I'm bearing will cause me to be separated from you. But then he said, here's the mission. But nevertheless, nevertheless, not that's the mission, not my will, but your will be done. And so... One of the things, ladies, that you can learn as wives from the other woman is submission. Here's the second thing in verse 3 and 4. You can also learn to sustain, say sustain, your beauty from the inside out. Verses 3 and 4 says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather let the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in whose sight and God's sight. Sustain your beauty from the inside out. Women spend billions of dollars every year on their hair, their toes, their nails, tummy tucks, etc. There's so much pressure on women today to look young and to appear stunning, and, and, and don't let your hair, don't, don't ever show any gray, and, 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 and don't ever act like you don't have enough energy to do a thousand things at one time. There's so much pressure on women, and men don't experience that same level of scrutiny and, 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 and pressure to look a certain way. And by the way, brothers, we do change too, and we don't look as, you know, I'm, I'm like 45 pounds or 50 pounds on the, on the right side of when I got married. But we, won't, we, won't, we don't need to stay there. Let, let's move a little further from that. And so this pressure is there. Wives, when you learn from the other woman in Scripture, what you're going to discover is that they focused on sustaining inward beauty as their priority. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He says, do not let your adornment merely be outward. He doesn't say physical attraction or appearance doesn't matter. Oh, he just said, I don't have to brush my teeth. I don't have to comb my hair. Well, I ain't going to put no makeup on. I'm just going to be all natural. No, no, no. That might have worked for Tarzan and Jane. You know, they were in the jungle and all that. But thank God for Esther in the Bible. Amen. Amen. It's okay to put on a little something to help us out. Somebody say amen. Ain't nothing wrong. He said there's nothing wrong with physical attractiveness or trying to look your best. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Stay with me now. So physical attraction does matter, but it shouldn't be your priority. Spiritual attractiveness should be your priority. Rather, let the hidden person of your heart, which is incorruptible beauty, beauty of a gentle, gentle spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Let me share some things about what this means to have an internal beauty. Spiritual beauty that comes from the inside out. It is an inner beauty. It, let, it, it 
it, it's kind of like my, I, I got a call from my son. He was so excited. He wanted to get a new, brand new car. And he said, let me, and you know, thank God for modern technology. He sent me a picture of the car. And man, that thing, it just looks spotless. It was, I mean, it was shine. It was reflecting. The, the chrome was reflecting in the sun. The leather seats. And, the, and it was just, I mean, he said, Dad, I'm about to buy this thing today. Now, I'm just, oh, I said, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Before you purchase this pre-owned car, I want you to ask your mechanic to look at it. He submitted, okay, okay, I, I know I like it. And I, you know, it's going to be all right. I said, okay, just one, let the, so the mechanic came, and guess what he did? He lifted up the, he didn't care about how it looked on the outside. I, I was impressed with the outside. And, and so he said, well, now let's look under the hood. When he looked under the hood, he could see that all, that the, that the, that the, that the, that the, that the, the, the gas tank, you know, I don't know about the, the radiator. Radiator, yeah, the radiator was rusted. All, all the hoses were worn. And as he looked a little closer, he could see that the, 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 the engine was leaking oil. And then when he looked at the odometer, the odometer was like 175,000 miles. And he was trying to sell this car like it was brand new. Oh, man, this car lasts forever. And so he, the, 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 the mechanic said, this, is, this car is not worth it. Look at how good it looks. It doesn't matter how good it looks on the outside. If what's under the hood is rotten. What the word of God is saying, inward beauty is more concerned about what's under the hood. Because the Bible teaches us that man looks at the outward appearance. But God, sisters, God, sisters, is looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. Spiritual beauty comes from the inside out. Inside out, where are you most beautiful? I know we like getting complimented. I know it's okay to somebody to turn their head and look at you second, a second time. But if you think in hateful thoughts, if you think about how you're going to get even, guess what? You may be attractive on the outside, but God says, you're ugly on the inside, where it counts the most. Here's why it counts the most. Spiritual beauty is incorruptible. Rather than be the hidden beauty of a person's heart, which is incorruptible beauty, inward beauty never ages. It just gets better and better and better. That's why Paul said, for we, we faint not. We, don't, for we look not at what we can see, thank God. But we look at that which is not seen for everything that we see. I don't care how fine you think you is. Everything that you see is passing away. But the unseen, the internal beauty that gets better and better as you renew your mind through the word of God. That's why you need to fall in love with somebody from the inside. Why you want to marry? Oh, man, she fine. Why you want to marry? Man, ain't nobody turned me on like her. Why you want to marry you? Because she just, well, what about her heart? What about her love for Jesus? Guess what? Because if she can love Jesus, she can love you when you're on your worst behavior. When she loves Jesus, she'll pray for you when she can't understand you. When she loves Jesus, she'll keep serving you even when you let her down. I want you to be concerned, not what we can see with our outside perception. 
be concerned with what God said. He said spiritual beauty is incorruptible. Spiritual beauty is also, it produces a gentle and quiet spirit. And here's what that means. It's a spirit that disagrees without being disrespectful. A spirit that, dis, that disagrees respectfully. Sis, when God says be angry but sin not, he don't just, that's not only replies to men, and men can get angry, and they can raise their voice, or, or, or they can uh, have a strong view of something. No, that verse applies to every Christian. Women, yeah, it's all right to disagree with your husband, but you, when you have a gentle and quiet spirit under the authority of your husband, you will disagree with him respectfully. There's some things that you should never say to your husband. Because of the position that God said, gave you, just like you ain't going to go in the office and cuss out your boss. Why wouldn't you do it? Because he will fire you or she will fire you. You Before you even get finished with the last word, they already packed up your stuff and they're heading out the door with it. I don't care how long you work for that company. You understand that there's some things that you don't say to everybody. Why not apply that principle at home? Why do you feel like you can say anything you want to to the person that God has placed as a covering for you? You ought to have a quiet and gentle spirit, a spirit that disagrees respectfully. I don't agree with you. And you, you may make the final decision, but I still don't agree. But I'm going to get in this car, and we're going to drive. I know you don't know where you're going. I know we have a GPS, and we would just follow that. We'll get, no, I don't need no GPS. I got a GPS in my mind. Men are born with GPSs, and we automatically know north, south, east, and west. Okay, then we end up in California instead of uh, 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 New York. Then, 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 then you know, I'm, I, we, I'm disagreeing. I always say to my wife, if I'm about to hit somebody, don't sit there and expect me to know that I'm about to do it. I'm just telling me, don't assume. Well, I, I, I thought, no, 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 no. Tell me, pull my coattail. That's what it means. The Bible says he gave Eve to be Adam's helper. That means that Adam was lacking something. There's something that you bring to the table. And if you don't open up your mouth, if you don't, oh, praise the Lord. Every woman ought to have a voice in her marriage. He didn't call you to be a silent partner. He called you to be a helper. Oh, someone to help him to accomplish what God calls him to do while he is helping you become all that God you to be. Oh, what the ultimate iron sharpening iron is marriage. Oh, man, you and your wife ought to be getting some friction to get the best out of each other. Spiritual beauty, fourthly, it pleases God. Say it pleases God, which is, it says, very precious in the sight of God. When you come under the authority of your husband, and you place the emphasis on the internal beauty. God said, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm, I'm almost done. A little girl uh, performed in a recital, and she played so well to a packed audience that everyone in the room just stood and just gave her a standing ovation. And it seemed as if the ovation went on for eternity. For an eternity, they just kept clapping and bravo and bravo. And the little girl just stood there stoically with her instrument in her hand. She wouldn't move. And her coach kept saying, take a bow, take a bow. But she wouldn't move. But as she was standing there, she was searching the audience for her mother's eyes. 
And when she finally found where her mother was in the crowd, and when she saw her mother clap, she bowed. Why did she wait for her mother's approval when everybody else in the room was already uh, uh, giving her applause? Because it was her mother who had listened to her when her best music was nothing but noise. It was her mother that pushed her when she didn't feel like being pushed. It was her mother that brought the instrument. It was her mother that was there when nobody else was there. And she understood that if anybody needed, that, that, that knew what I put into this and could tell me the true value of my effort, it would all, the only person in this audience was my mother. I want you to y'all know that the only person that can really give you applause, the only person that should cause you to take a bow, the only person that you really have to please is not the audience of a million, not the audience of a crowd, but the one person that you have to please is none other than Jesus. You have an audience of one. And when you do what he says, it pleases him. He will applaud you. You will find this God making eye contact with your spirit, and you will be able to rejoice. Oh, God. Oh, we're almost done. Stop following the world's example. This is the third thing. Stop following the world's example. For in this, the scripture says, verse 4, verse 5, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves. In the former, our example is from the fo a former time, not this current world. We're in the world, but not to be what? Okay, okay, let's run on. Spiritual women ought to be your example. Now listen to this. Listen to what, what the Apostle Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Here's a spiritual woman. He said, the older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. You know what's interesting? He doesn't say the older wives or older mothers. I want you to understand that older women who are walking with the Lord, who are maturing the Lord, you don't have to be married or have children to be a great counselor of families that have children and, and wives who have husbands. And well, well, she ain't never been married. What could she ever tell me? Well, Jesus wasn't married either. I guess he can't tell you anything. Now, you would be an absolutely foolish to refuse to receive godly counsel from a mature spiritual woman. Well, she ain't 60 years old. No, it's not even your age. It's how you've been walking with the Lord. If somebody's mature in Christ, I don't care if they're 25, if they know this word and they've been exercised in the truth of the word of God to know good from evil, don't you understand that wisdom comes from the Lord and they got it because it is in his word. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to find examples of spiritual women that can help wives to become all that they should be. Well, I've been married too long for anybody to help me. That's a problem. You need help and you don't know it. Here, here's another thing. We're going around. We've got one more thing. Spiritual women are accountable to other spiritual women. It's interesting when you look at the scriptures. Most of the women that had any dynamic impact that we talk about today are always linked or coupled with another woman. Mary and Martha. Mary, the mother in, of Jesus in Elizabeth. Lois and Eunice. Ruth and Naomi. Even when a woman is not attached to a particular female, 
in a mentoring kind of relationship or an iron sharpening iron, that woman, you'll see that there's someone who she has given the authority to hold her accountable. Who's holding you accountable in your marriage? Who is your Ruth? Who is your Naomi? Who is your Lois? Who is your Eunice? Who are you getting input from about how to be a better mother, how to be a better wife? God called us into this kind of commitment for growth. Here's the final thing. Stay with me. With me. I'm glad. We need to come under submission. We need to sustain internal beauty as our priority. We need to stop following the world's example. But here's the final thing. Surrender yourself to the Lord rather than to fear. This is what this is all about. Submission is really surrendering yourself to the Lord. He says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good. You're being like Sarah. You're being like the other woman if you do good and are not afraid by any terror. Now, one of the greatest evidences of your submission to your husband is how you talk to him and how you talk about him to others. Sarah understood something about Brother Abraham. <laughs> Men respond <laughs> to encouragement in ways that we think we can do stuff that old body no way we can do. But guess what? We get it done. If you talk to us right, she called Abraham. The husband who Ted told to the king that they ain't my wife. You know, if you want to have a little time with her, that's all. No, no, no. She still called him Lord. He lied two times. She called Abraham Lord, the one who said, when she said, well, God didn't bless me to have a child. It's been, I'm, all, I'm 90 years, almost 90 years old now, A.B. You can have my concubine. You can have Hagar. And Abraham, who is her spiritual covenant, should say, no, that's not what God said. We're going to wait. We're going to trust the Lord. He said, okay, I think you may be hearing a word from the Lord. I think I could do this if I try real hard. Yeah, right. She still called that man Lord. What does the word Lord mean? It is an expression of the highest honor that you can give to another human being. What Sarah was saying, she said, baby, when you leave this house, you may not be a whole bunch at your job. They may not even recognize you work for them. They may even discriminate against you because of your color. You don't have all the degrees behind your name. You may not drive the finest car or even purchase me the best house. I may not, and you may not bear the best clothes, but when you come into this door, guess what? You're royalty to me. You're my king, and I am your queen. You're somebody to me, A.B. I don't know what they call you down there, but I'm going to call you Lord because you are. You are someone to me. Now, why is this so hard? And this is what I'm going to stop with. Listen to the end of the verse. It said, if you do good, you're operating in alignment with Sarah, who submitted to her husband, and evidenced it by the words she said to the man and about the man. And she did it without fear of, of, of what her husband would do, without terror. One of the greatest reasons women don't come under submission to their husband, they are terrified at the thought of how we will abuse that authority. 
If we really listened to this man, if we really made him think that we'll do what he gives us the directions to do, he will think that he can just walk all over me. He's going to treat me like a doormat. In fact, he's going to treat me like my ex, 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 ex boyfriend. And so I ain't going to let that ever happen. And so she, so the scripture says, do this in obedience to God without fear. Let God deal with your husband. <laughs> oh, you don't, he don't want God dealing with him. You just simply come under, you just come under God's design alignment, and he will bless you. How are you going to learn from the other woman? Surrender to your husband's leadership as unto God without fear. Without fear. We're done. We're done. Well, let me share this. This is, uh, 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 this, is, this is a little funny story I read sometimes years ago. Somehow an eagle's egg ended up in the nest of a hen. And even though the egg was much larger than the other uh, eggs under the hen, she thought it was hers, so she just sat on it until the egg hatched. Even though the, the, the egg, the, the, the bird that came out of the egg looked different from the chickens and, and it, it, it walked a little different. It was a little bigger and it ate more food than all the other chickens. That was her baby. And so because the eagle didn't know who he was, he tried to walk like a chicken. He tried to uh, whatever chickens do. <laughs> He thought he was a chicken, and then one day, what, what, this is the funny thing, every time, during a certain time of the year, he would look up in the sky, and he would see eagles flying over, head, and something inside of that eagle would just make its wings, just start to, he just felt like something inside of him wanted to fly, but he, he couldn't fly because he was a chicken, he was a chicken, and then one day, they were down at the pond, drinking water, the chickens and this eagle that thought it was a chicken, and the eagle saw its image in the water. Once the eagle <laughs> saw what he really looked like, then he understood what he was created to be. And the moment he understood by learning from what he saw of who God had created him to be, that was the last time he walked like a chicken, the last time he clucked like, clucked like a chicken. That, that, that very moment he began to soar into the air, flying like an eagle above the clouds, above the trees. Why? Because the eagle was able to see its image. I want you to know, ladies, if you see your image in the word of God and you see yourself the way he has created you and the way that he determined for you to fly and to soar and to reach your full potential, you'll never act like a chicken again. But you will honor God when you learn from the other woman. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your word today. We are so grateful that you're here Lord, we are just lifting up every wife. Father, marriage should be a picture of heaven on earth. It should be a reflection of the unity and the love that exists between the Trinity. Marriage should be so attractive that people would not choose to live together first because of the beauty of what marriage produces. Father, I pray that we would begin to so honor you in way, the way that you had designed marriage and aligned marriage that our children would want to have 
husbands and wives just like we are. Oh, God, I pray that you would forgive us where we fail. Father, I would ask that you would not allow us to be comfortable to continue to dishonor your word and at the same time expect you to continue to bless us. Oh, yes, you bless us because the sun shines on the unjust as well as the just. But, Lord, there's some choice blessings. There's some Jabez blessings, top-shelf blessings that God cannot release to you because you're out of order in your marriage. Submit to the Lord, and you will find the blessings of God released to you in such a way that your testimony will be so incredibly powerful to share with others that you will regret having waited so long. And now, God, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.